0: It has been a while since I've had the privilege of being with you. Uh, I'm living for the last many years in Poland, but let me tell you how that happened. I was a young man, graduated from college, I moved to Germany, and I was working as a youth pastor on a military base in Germany. And I went to a conference, and there was this guy who was talking about something happening in Poland and that they needed someone to come speak for a conference to train youth leaders. I said, I'll go. I figured every hand would go up in the room, but only mine did. And so I said, I'll go. Where's Poland? And they said, it's like one country over you. You, you can't miss it. This was 1988, and it was uh, just before the changes came to to Europe. The, 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 the wall fell and communism fell, and so it was a hard time to get in. I drove my car in. I was nervous. I remember rolling up in the middle of the night to this, this house that was uh, there, and I... Um, I saw one little car parked out front, and I went in, there was 120, 110 youth leaders um, packed in this little bitty house, and, and they asked me to teach that night, and I taught all the next day. And for the next three days, I taught eight, ten hours a day. I taught everything I'd prepared. Uh, by the fourth day, I was making stuff up. By the fifth day, I was making up books, books of the Bible, and it was just, uh, they were just so hungry for truth, and, and it, was a, it was a great experience. I started using my vacation to go there each uh, year and, and, and teach at this this kind of training event. And, uh, after about the third year, there was this young man who came up to me at the end of the third year and he said, hey Dan, can I talk to you for a minute? Sure, what's up? He said, what you've been giving us this week is exactly what we need all the time. And I don't know if you know this, but um, in terms of youth ministry, which is what I do, I work with youth, have done for many years, the that 90% of the world's youth ministry resources, if I can say it that way, materials and youth leaders and everything, are spent on 10% of the world's youth, Uh, uh, many of those in this country. And that's not a bad thing, but it just means that the inverse is also true, and that there's a great need out there. And I felt that need, and this guy said, what you're giving us, we need all the time. Uh, Would you help us find someone to do what you're doing full-time? And I said, Yes, I will and I I was traveling with a professor of mine at the moment And so I thought we could go back to the states and maybe find someone that would want to do this and he said Thank you walked away and turned around and came back for a second and said might that be you that person and I go No, that's not me and it wasn't me because I already had a great job great ministry great life Everything was going great. I was in the pocket. I didn't want to do anything different even though this was cool and uh and so, two and a half years later, I moved to Poland, been living there for 22 years. And isn't that funny how God works that way? Haven't you had experiences like that too? Where you, you say yes to one little step, and it just changes the direction of your life. And uh, what is it in us that causes us to say yes? Or, what is it, what is it that's in us that causes us to, to confront interse- intersections like that in our life and, and say no? And... Um, I, I love the life I'm living. I love the ministry we're doing. I, e- even, I'm, I'm happy to stand in front of you and tell you that uh, uh, myself and two other couples and a single gal, we're all serving in Eastern Europe and are, 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 are supported by Lakewood. And your ministry is extending in the, around the world. And that's a, that's a wonderful thing. And we're so thankful for you. And we're glad to be an extension of your ministry in that area of the world. But, but when it comes to uh, new moves in our life, when it comes to, to to going into places we didn't think we were going to go, what causes us to go, and what keeps us from going? And I want to talk about that this morning. We're focusing on outreach this morning, but I want to I take us into the story of Abraham, or Abram. And uh, uh, I, I, uh, uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I would like you to not open them. Because, even though at Lakewood we're very committed to the Word and will be every Sunday, uh, I want you to not open your Bibles because if you do, you will read ahead and then you're going you're gonna to see where I'm going with the story and I don't want you to know where I'm going yet. And I'm watching you. Don't make me come down there and take your Bible away. That will be the first in church for you. So don't make me do that. And uh, so I'm trusting you. But I will put the words on the screen. And they are, I promise you, they're from the Bible. I haven't changed any of them. And so uh, follow along with me. This is the first, this is the first thing i want to mention abram is told these words uh, by god it says the lord said to abram go from your country your people and your father's household to the land that i will show you he says go and inherent in the word going is leaving if i'm going to go somewhere i have to vacate the spot i was just standing in right i mean that's obvious but but you have to say no longer here now going and that means you have to leave and and in order to leave it says he has to leave a couple of key things he has to leave his country and I, I know what that's like he has to leave his people some of you know what that's like he has to leave his family those are hard things to leave doesn't mean you'll never be back but it's it's not like he was discontent in in fact quite the opposite but god says go which is okay it would seem except the question is where where Uh, and inherent in the last four words I will show you is the fact that God seems to know where he's going. Well, I guess there's four possibilities of why God would say that. Go to a place that I will show you. Four reasons why he wouldn't tell him where. One is maybe, okay, maybe God really doesn't know. Maybe he puts on like he knows, but but maybe he's going to figure it out as he goes along. You know, maybe God has a few of the pieces, but he doesn't have all of them. Maybe that explains some things in our lives. You, of course, hear my sarcasm. But uh, uh, sometimes it feels like, God, if you had seen this coming, I would think you would have pushed me in different directions. You know, you've missed a couple of key pieces. So maybe God doesn't know what's what's going on. Um, uh, And or maybe maybe he's messing with you. You know? Maybe he's just kind of a cosmic killjoy and he's having a lot of fun at your expense. He's orchestrating this giant Easter egg hunt where he knows where the good stuff is, but he's not going to tell you. He's going to let you run around like an idiot trying to figure it out. And again, you hear my sarcasm. But I think you can relate to that feeling, can't you? Like, seriously? You don't want to tip your cards and tell me where this is all going? And, um, And some of you... Some of you uh, organized folks, this is particularly frustrating to you, that God doesn't tip his cards on the front end and tell you where he's going, but he does say go. If he didn't say go, it wouldn't be that bad, but saying go and not telling you where, and then doubling down and saying, but I know where you're going, but I'm not telling you. Uh, so, that, that you know, it f- feels like a masochist. It feels like an unkind God. kind of violates uh, what we understand about his character. Uh, and the, the third possibility is that maybe God has something some higher value rather than being um economical rather than getting to the 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 shortest distance between two points Uh, i i said i live in poland and we have an an idiom in polish that says which means a short pass a short ball which is a soccer term for don't mess around and, and and play with the ball don't lose it get it to the right guy and shoot it in the goal short ball The shortest point between two points. Get as quick as you can from your foot into the goal. This is not a time to be making plays. And that's how some of us feel that God is. That's the kind of soccer player he is. He's all about getting there as quick as possible. But if you've ever looked at a map of the... Of the children of Israel in the wilderness for forty years, it just looks like this, you know. It it just it, it 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 looks like me trying to get to Walmart, you know. It just it's it's all over the place. It's not the the, the shortest direction. God doesn't seem to be that economical, and and we know He's not. I mean, um, uh, look at. Ever climb to the top of a mountain and you see all these beautiful flowers and they they've they've just bloomed this morning and there's nobody there to see them and. It looks like a lot of effort has gone into that from a godly point of view. And yet he's done it with, with nobody to see him. And he doesn't seem terribly bothered. Like, oh man, no audience showed up. What a waste of flowers, you know? Well, Here's another example. Ear hair. Why do I have all this ear hair? I do not understand that. It's not helpful. It's unnecessary. And it doesn't go well with me and my wife. Why? Why is God putting ear hair, why hair here? It's unhelpful. I, you hear my sarcasm, but well, there's so many directions where God is is not economical you know it seems like he's wasteful or if we want to be positive he's extravagant why why isn't he more why doesn't he get to the point and and and, and deal with it what what else is going on what is in his agenda that uh, that that allows that to happen when I When was flying here yesterday i was flying uh, over kansas i was coming from colorado and and there was just, this incredible um su- sunrise and and there's no people in kansas why well, <laughs> Why waste a gorgeous sunrise on there? There's nobody there. So, um, uh, that, but God sweetens the deal. Wait a minute, he's not going to tell him where he's going, but he does say this, he gives him this promise. Uh, he says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Kind of like that part. And all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you so he says good things are going to happen with you i'm just not going to tell you where exactly how and who now you know some of the stories the the big act of faith with with him and his wife getting pregnant and that's all the real fun stuff we're not going to talk about that this morning but it's 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 it's, he doesn't tip his cards for abraham so the next verse says abram left says he left and when you look forward into the book of Hebrews, it talks about why he left, why he took this challenge. It says this, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, she didn't know where that was, he obeyed and he went even though he did not know where he was going. I'm belaboring that point because I think you know how that feels. I'm guessing that in your life there have been things that you knew God was asking of you, but he wasn't giving you the clear end goal. He wasn't giving you the confidence that everything's going to work out okay. It's all going to be all right. Except that he said, I'm okay. And you can trust me. And that was the case. with everyone. But he doesn't choose to tell him. In fact, is it possible that some of you are facing something right now in your life and you know, you know God is good. But in your feeling side, you're like, I've got to have more information before I take that step. GPS coordinates, something, a silhouette of what it's going to look like. I've got to have some more information. And when we say more information to God, often what we mean is a guarantee. A guarantee that I'm not going to get ripped off. A guarantee that somehow this is going to go well in the definition of what I mean as well. That, that I'm going to win. That there's going to be more profit than loss. That somehow this is going to be good for me. And... Uh, and now we, we, we fast forward into the story. And uh, God is rescuing him from this difficult situation with a bad Pharaoh. He has this, this, this whole gorgeous, gorgeous wife problem. And, uh, and then they end up having to move again. And here's what the verse says. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west, Ai, Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord. He called on the name of the Lord. And Abraham sent out and con- continued towards Bethel negative he's on the road again still not getting to where he knows is the right place still not getting to the place what's going on why the long why the long process well um i'd like to stop right now and have a little intermission in the middle of this sermon this is going to be very odd for you stay with me i'd like to play a little game This is the problem when you let somebody who works in youth ministry preach this is what happens So, I like to play a game, and and, and Josh Johnson, you come up here and help me for just a second. I'm going to have you participate in the game, and your goal in this game is with somebody next to you, I want you to get as many points as possible in one act, okay? And here are your choices. You are each going to hold up a finger. So uh, Josh and I are going to demonstrate this, but I'm going to count to three, one, two, three, and then you're going to hold up a finger, and you're going to choose between three plays. Play number one is, is both of you get 10 points if you choose that. But if one of you chooses it, the person who chooses that gets minus two points. Or if you hold up two fingers, it's play two. You both get five points if you both do that. If one of you does that, you get only three points. See, there's a little strategy involved here. Some of you, uh, you numbers people, you're liking this. You're going, yep, I got this down. Play three, both one, only you five. Now, you've got to make a decision what your play is going to be. You don't know who your partner is yet. And in a minute, I'm going to have you choose a partner. But you cannot communicate at all. You can't tell them what you're going to do. No winking. If if it's somebody you know, do not help. And you want to get as many points as you can. So we'll try this. Do you understand the game? Are you ready to try? Okay. Ready? One, two, three. Okay. So you chose one point. You chose play one. So you get... You get minus two. You are not so smart. And I chose plays two. So, uh... I only get three points. Had you chosen play two, we would have gotten five. So you screw. You screw. Okay. So, <laughs> I would like you to stand up right now. All right, and uh, do not talk to anybody. Josh, hang on one second. And uh, and I'd like you to turn the person next to you, preferably the one that you know the least on your right or your left. But it doesn't matter. Okay, just whoever's there. If it's your if it's your spouse, that's okay. But don't be nice to him. Okay. All right. Here we go. You ready? One, two, three. Okay. Tell now. Add up your score. Figure out who won. The person who won, raise their hand. Or if you tied, raise your hand. Okay, very good. Now, turn to somebody else. The guy behind you who looks like an easy mark or the person in front of you. And let's try it one more time with a stranger. As many points as you can get. Are you ready? One, two, three. Okay. So who won? Raise your hand, do the math. Okay, you can go back. Thanks, John. All right. Now what I would like you to do is sit back down and I would like you to t- turn to one of the persons that you just whomped up pretty good, that you beat or lost to, and talk about what you just learned from the game. What was interesting? Tell them why you did your strategy you did and what, it, what did you find interesting about the game? What did you learn? What's the best way to do this next time? So talk about your strategy with the person next to you for just a minute. Figure out what you learned. Okay, alright, now, as odd as this sounds, trust me on this, we're going to move on and go back to the text, that was a lot of fun, thank you for playing, let's keep going with the text, because it gets really interesting, so trust me, so, Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife, and everything he had, and Lot went with him, Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock, and in silver, and in gold. Everything was going well. And the thing is, we it's, it's so nice when everything goes well, when the livestock produced, when the business goes well. That's wonderful. But it produces a whole different set of problems. A little hard to whine about those, but it does produce a whole different set of, of, of problems. Matter of fact, here's one of the problems that it produces. Now Lot, who was moving with Abraham, was his nephew that he brought along from the beginning, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed, to- while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great, and they were not able to stay together. It's 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 a problem. M- remember Fiddler on the Roof, Rep and he's singing, "If I were a rich man," you know, and he goes on with his song and he talks about uh, he talks about how uh, I, I I I I know riches is a curse, but I, I wish I could have that curse for a little while, you know, and or like I was uh, I love country music. When I'm back visiting the states, I I look around for country music, and there's this song about. Uh, Money won't buy you happiness, but it can buy you a boat. Have you heard that song? You know, if you haven't heard that, you really, that'll bless you today. You need to find that song. It's shallow, but it's so cute. And, uh, and that's true, you know, money is the root of all evil, but it can buy you a boat. You know, it's, there's something, it, 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 it causes problems, but I'd like to have those problems for a while. Well, they have this problem, okay? They, they have so much stuff that they can't survive on the same amount of land. So what do you do? What do you do with that, with that, uh, with that dilemma? And uh, so here's here's what it says. Next verse. It says, And quarreling also arose between Abram's her- herders and lots. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So not only do they have domestic problems, but the guys are nibbling on the outside are dangerous too. You know, you got the other guys that are looking at their stuff going, we got to get it. So this is a very unstable situation. All caused by success, which is interesting. So Abram and his lot are feeling success, but Abram at the same time is not where he's headed. Even though it seems to be pretty good, flocks, herds, money—they are not. He's not where God told him he would be. So what do you do? What do you do when there's that kind of uh, uh, kind of a situation? So Abram comes up with a logical solution, which is you can almost picture what he's going to say. So he says this. So Abram said to Lot, "Let's not have any." Quarrelling between you and me sounds like kind of a Minnesotan. Let's not have any quarter quarreling between you and me, or between our herders and mine, for we are close relatives. It is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. There's plenty of places to go. Let's 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 spread out. Let's leave. Now that 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 makes sense. That makes sense because because he's on his way to milk at the land of milk and honey, and everything here seems to be uh, great. So. So let's just relax, but this is the shocker. This next part of the verse, because I only showed you half of verse 9, I'm going to show you verse 9 again, and I want you to see the whole verse. It says this, it's not, it's not the whole land before you, let's part company. If you go to the left, I will go to the right. And if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Wow, he seems awful relaxed. Like, like Lot, the nephew, the younger, the non-promised guy who's not on his way to the good land, God has promised, doesn't have that kind of a promise, he simply says, go go, go ahead, go, you choose. It's, 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 it's fine with me. Now why would he do that? Why would Abram have that kind of a posture? Why would he react that way? Why is he so chill, so relaxed about it? So there's a couple possibilities. One is, 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 Abram really isn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. He's not a good negotiator. And um, uh, another possibility is... He's just tired of waiting on God. And he's just kind of you know, going like this, and saying, God's not going to come through anyway. Go ahead, Lot, choose where. I just don't care anymore. I, 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 I'm tired of this. I'm tired of waiting on God. You ever felt that way? You thought he was taking you somewhere, and now you're just tired of waiting on him. It just wears on you after a while. Another possibility is that uh, he, he knows that under the bad choices... Under the bad ground that Lot will not take, there's probably oil. There's some sneaky thing, sideways deal he's got going. He's going to strike oil. Go ahead, Lot. Take that part. I know the good stuff's over here, really, but it's under the ground and you can't see it. And uh, so I'm not going to fall for that. Uh, all you, again, you hear my sarcasm. And the fourth option is that he, he believes God. And this disease of belief... Has spread everywhere in his life. And it affects even a moment like. We've got to separate ways. And it's so. It has so pervaded his way of thinking. His life. That he says go ahead. Choose. I'm living by faith. God I, I, I can take it. Isn't that cool? It's just. it's It feels like in the text. It feels like a knee jerk response. It's like that's the choice he wants to make. It feels like the right choice to him. You choose left. I'll go right. You choose right What would cause somebody to have that level of freedom, that level of peace? Um, and, uh, well, what do you think Lot's going to do? We can almost guess what Lot's going to do, and he, he does it. Let, let, let's read it. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of Jordan over there towards the Zor was well-watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan, and set out towards the east, the two men parted company. Lot chose what seemed to be the obvious best choice. And obviously, if it's near Sodom and Gomorrah, you know it's not going to end well. And you, 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 you know the rest of the story somewhere in the back of your mind. or you've read, you, you know that Sodom and Gomorrah is not a good place. But that's what looks good at this moment. And isn't that the case also? From, from what we see, often is not the whole picture. Often is not the, the whole picture. Um, uh, I, I uh, grew up in the Philippines as a kid. My parents were missionaries. It's funny, now I live in Poland. I'm 50, 53, 54, almost 54. And I've only lived in the States 12 years. But I remember growing up in the Philippines, and, and uh, I was a kid, uh, just finished first grade, and we came back to Denver for a year. We lived in Colorado. And... Um, and I, I love the tropics, and it was just—it it was different moving to Colorado. It was about October, I think, something like that. And I was sitting in my living room, uh, finishing getting my stuff in my bag, ready to go to second grade to go to school. And my dad went out to start the car, and I saw something that shocked me. I saw my dad smoking. Which may not sound like that big a deal, except my dad was a tyrant against smoking. He did not like smoking. He didn't. He smoked when he was younger. He didn't like it. And so he was kind of negative on it. So he goes, he goes, he would always tell us you're not allowed to smoke and don't you do it. And so when I saw him smoking, sneaking a cigarette out front the other side of the car, I was pretty upset. And I didn't have the word hypocrite in my vocabulary yet. But when he came in the door, that's basically what I called him. You know? Dad, you said this and now you're smoking. He's like shocked. He's like, isn't smoking what are you talking about son i go dad i saw you smoking he goes no you didn't i go yes I. Did. he goes oh come here dummy i mean he didn't say that out loud because americans don't say that to their kids but he says come here so i walk out the door and he goes breathe and i breathe you could see your breath <laughs> that's the most ludicrous concept how do you explain to a second grader that you can see it? that's like saying your breath has music come out of it or it's colorful that's the most ridiculous idea, if you've never experienced that before, you know? And I've never seen that in my life, that you could see. So I'm walking around, I'm smoking, I'm getting cancer, this is cool. You know? i would I, 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 never seen it. But my, my assessment of the situation is logical based on, my, uh, on what I have, what is available to me. And that's how Lot was. He's looking at the options and he's going, ugly, beautiful, not thinking Son and Gomorrah, not seeing the smoke... You know, not seeing the, the breath. He's just going, that's the beautiful spot. Of course, he's going to take. make sense. And Abram is like, choose. Because for me, there's something bigger going on. Isn't that interesting? So he, ch- so, so he chooses in the two-part uh, company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Gomorrah. And If you read, later, read further on, which we won't, you're going to see that that does not end well. My question really this morning is, how could he do that? How could Abram be so relaxed? What was going on that, that, that he could just trust God and, uh, and let him choose? That, I, wouldn't it be cool to be able to live like that? To just choose? Well, I want to suggest that there are four, there's much more, but I want to talk about four lies that we believe that keep us from doing that. That keep us living like that. That cause us to go, I will choose first. And then you, nephew, can have whatever's left. That's usually our posture. Uh, and so these four lies is what cause us to do it. Here's the first lie. Lie number one. God cares for all, us all in general. But I am the only one I can trust to take care of myself. We say we trust God and we do. As long as he shows me his cards. And as long as in the end, I'm really the one caring for me. I'll let him help out. But I've got to be the one caring for me, and therefore, when the when the uh, when the crossroads comes and you're making a decision between you losing and them winning, what what number do you play? Do you play the two? Do you play the three? Or do you play the one? Because the one is, if I play the one and you play it, everything goes right, the stars align, we all get ten. But if I play the one and you choose the good stuff, I get minus two. I, I lose. So I learned very early on, better not play the one card, because that guy. And uh, I, 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 I'm the only one I can really trust. If I, if I play the one, I'm trusting you to play the one. See? It really, you're trusting God. So we don't. Um, A number of years, uh, two years ago, I uh, was at a conference with a fellow named Benjamin from India, and he was talking about churches being planted all over India. And I took a bunch of Polish leaders with me to India to meet and learn from them how we could do better in planting churches in Poland. It was an incredible experience. While I was there, down the street was this beautiful monument, and we went to see it. And I was so struck by what I saw that I made a little bit of a video journal entry about this beautiful monument that catches this point really well. And I would like to show that to you right now. There's birds chirping in the background, it's a little distracting, but listen to listen to what I'm saying about and and think about choosing what matters, what's important. Here is a man who inherits the uh, the kingdom from his father. There's tons of money in the kingdom. It's a time in his life when uh, there's so much available. He has all this money. He has all this this ability. And because he's a young wild man, and he didn't have to earn the um, the kingdom, he. He focused uh, a lot more on his own personal life. He started thinking about himself. Mm-hmm. Fell in love with a beautiful woman. A woman who um, who he thought was going to meet all his needs and be, you know, be his dream. And she was, and they were very happy. Things were going very well. And she bore him children. One, two, three, 13, in fact. He was very happy with his children, very happy with his wife. But in the process of childbirth of their last child, she died. I think about somebody birthing 13 children, and I would die too. So he was heartbroken, absolutely sick. So he decided to build uh, a monument to honor him, but as he planned the monument, his plans got bigger and bigger, and he, he pictured how cool it would be if it was just this, this, this amazing structure, uh, and so he built it, Dash Mahal. I don't remember the details, but it took twenty years. Hundreds of men working all the time to create that talking wall. They were spending all of their energy trying to make this structure. The idea was to bury her on the inside so that everyone would know his love for her. the thing that I find interesting is what happened after he didn't have much energy left to run the kingdom he didn't have much um, focus on the city or on the next door or on the kingdom. his life was lost in the love of this woman. Which, if you're a woman, sounds very romantic, doesn't it? How many of you ladies would love it if your husband would build something like that uh, to honor you? Raise your hands. Uh, Yes. But, he was holding on. He was holding on to something that was He was holding on and working very hard to control what was. Instead of letting her go and rejoicing in her memory, he just kept holding on. He built this beautiful mausoleum for her, but she never experienced it. it. It meant nothing to her. In the end, he didn't have energy left to run the kingdom, the thing that was most important. In not very many years uh, after the Muslim was completed, he started to lose control of his kingdom. Resources were depleted, spent, energy was gone, focus, and soul to run the kingdom. Died. He was buried right next to her. Now he has what, what he wants, but he's not there to enjoy it. And, and, and the thing I take away from that is how, how hard and how desperately we we attempt to hang on to something that something that was. It's like it's like you can't trust God that there's going to be something better. So 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 we enshrine that 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 what is It's sad really when you when you think about what could have been, when you think about how he could have gone on and ruled the kingdom in a way that would make a difference. But instead of doing that, he spent all of his energy, all of his time, all of his resources on holding on to what was past. It's, it's that you can't trust God to be really, really good. He gives you a little, but once you get it, you better hold on. And when those uh, decisions come, where do I look out for myself or do I play the one? Better look out for yourself, like a monkey with bananas, you know? You just hold on. I'm not going to eat them, but I'm just going to make sure nobody else does. I've got to protect. I've got to look out for me. It's not the posture. Even. That's, that's, that's lie number one. Lie number two is, says this. I must see with my own eyes that God is taking care of me, and only then can I offer help to other people. Sounds good to say, I'm helping you out of a full cup that God has given me. That isn't a requirement. God says, go to a land I promised, and in the process, be kind to lot. You know? Trust that I'm the one that's going to take care of you. So therefore, you are free to give to other people, which is the essence of the gospel. Christ died for us while we had nothing to offer him. That's, That's when he died on the cross. That is the posture we are to have with other people. That's living by faith. That's the gospel. That's outreach. That's missions. That's ministry, serving other people, not just because you have so much to give, but because you so believe God that he's going to take care of you. And that's, I I, I fall for this lie all the time. Number three, third lie, wonder which one of these fits you the best. When I see with, the lie is, what I see with my own eyes is the full picture of what God is doing. You know, that guy's smoking. I know it because I know that's the only place smoke comes from. And so we, 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 we so deeply trust our assessment. And there's, there's so much more going on. God is so big. He's outside time. And we, we, we want to bring him to task as well as the lives that we're living because it's not unfolding the way we are convinced it ought to unfold. So we kind of graciously, but in reality, we shake our finger at God going, you're not coming through for me the way you should. So therefore, I can't just say go left or go right. I've got to figure out which piece is the best, and I've got to get it quick. And then out of that piece, I will reach out to other people. See the, see the shift? See how backwards that is? And we live in an upside-down kingdom. It's very different. The last lie, if I blindly trust God, he might give others the best, not me. I'm glad that God is generous. My concern is that he's going to be generous to you. That's my problem. How about me? When's he, you know, when's he going to come through for me? And that, and that fear, which I know you understand that fear. I, I, I do too. That fear keeps us from living with this, I don't want to say relaxed, I'm not sure, with this, this assured sense, with this confident sense that God is taking me somewhere that he has promised, that he is bigger than all this. That he's got something going on. My trust is not in what God has said he will give me. My trust is in God. My trust is not that that it's all going to make sense in the end. My trust is not that in the end I'm going to have more money than you are, so I'm willing to share with you right now. But my trust is rather in God. In the God who promises. And, and you, here's the thing. When people live like that, you love it. You love being around people like that. And so do I. When we live like that, you, it's the aroma of the gospel, because without faith, it is impossible to please God. And with faith and, 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 and with faith, we, we, we get to be part of what God is doing. He purposefully doesn't tip his hand because he wants us to live by faith. and that is so core to the gospel. that is, that is so key. Um, I, I want to encourage you this week as you go into your small decisions, your small crossroads, your, your realities that you face in your life, that, 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 that tenuous moment with your husband or wife, that challenge at work, I just, when you, when you reach in your pocket to pull out a number, I hope you, you will pull out a one. I hope you will pull out a one. And risk a minus two. You know what I'm saying? I hope that will be your knee-jerk response. Why? Because you know for sure the other person is going to play a one as well? No. Because you know that God is good. And so you can play whatever. Because he goes left, right is going to be great. God's got good for you. He goes right, left is going to be great. God has you under control. He has your your best at heart. He's thinking of you. He loves you. And therefore, you can live that way. And you will be such a gift to other people. I challenge you to live that way this week. Would you stand with me? I would like to pray. Invite the the band to come. We're going to sing a song about this. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing a song about faith. Pray with me, will you? Heavenly Father, as we go into this week, bring this back to mind. May we live like Abram, trusting in your promise, your promise that you are going to, to be good to us, that you're going to take, a place, take us to a place that is good for us, though it may not seem that way for quite some time. Help us, Lord. Cause us to live by faith. And may we enjoy bringing you glory by those moments of faith. We need you, Lord. We want to go to a good place. But more than anything, we're going to trust you and live that way. Thank you for your word this morning, for your kindness to us. Amen.